today on Family Talk. Well, hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another edition of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. I'm Roger Marsh, and today we have a very special broadcast for you featuring our very own Dr. James Dobson. Last year, I had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Dobson and ask him about some of the lesser-known aspects of his life. Today, Dr. Dobson will talk about his pivotal role in the Reagan administration and the circumstances that led to his famous interview with the notorious serial killer, Ted Bundy. Let's listen to this broadcast now. We've entitled it, Dr. Dobson, The Untold Stories, right here on Family Talk. Turning the tables on Dr. Dobson here, uh, kind of uh, having a Q&A session here on the special edition of Family Talk with Dr. James Dobson. I'm Roger Marsh, and I'm asking the questions, and Dr. Dobson is sharing some just fascinating answers and uh, very, very uh, revealing parts of his life. Uh, many people remember that in the 1980s, during the Reagan years, uh, you were very much a part on the, the uh, Commission on Family Teen Pregnancy Prevention. Uh, you were part of the uh, Attorney General's Commission on Pornography. And we remember that from the 1980s. What some people might not know is that work continued into the 1990s, especially with your work on gambling. And I want you to talk about that because it seems like nowadays people are all concerned about this. But 20 years ago, you were at the forefront of the movement that said, we have to do something in the culture about that. Uh, you know, I, I could talk um, and bore people for a long time about the details of my life because it's just been jammed. Yeah, there's been so many exciting things that have occurred, and I feel so honored that the Lord put me in uh, that position. Somebody referred to me once as sort of the Forrest Gump. Yeah, with all the different people you've had. Yeah. Yeah, because it's been one thing right after another. Yeah. The Pornography Commission was the most difficult thing I've ever done. Really? Uh, because I was exposed to stuff that I will never get away from. Mm-hmm. You can't and see it. The, the horrible nature of pornography was exposed there. I saw the FBI files and the murders and the things that take place because it is a cancer. Both gambling and pornography are cancers that have taken root in this culture. And those two commissions that I served on uh, were very difficult to, to go through and to experience, primarily because uh, there were members of each of those commissions who did not see it as a problem. And so there was a political tug of war that went on in both of those cases. And uh, the one on uh, pornography um, ended one night with a vote on whether a small uh, 40-page document from our 18 months of study of pornography uh, would be uh, official and submitted to the government. Mm -hmm. It was a whitewash. It contained none of the horrid detail. Uh, It ignored the distressing aspect of what we had learned there. There was another document that was 2,000 pages long, and there was a vote as to which one we were going to endorse. Mm -hmm. And the night before the end of the commission, I lost the vote 
10 to 1. I voted for the 2,000-page report, obviously. Yes. And 10 people voted for the whitewash. And um, my staff at home knew that this moral crisis was playing itself out. And they fasted, 350 of them fasted out on the parking lot that day. And they uh, prayed and asked God to be in that final decision. Yes. And the next morning, the most influential member of our commission, a psychiatrist and a lawyer, and the one who was the most respected of anybody there, came in the next morning and he said, I wasn't able to sleep last night. Really? (laughs) He said, all night long, I was thinking, I have dealt with this as a legal issue. It's not. It's a moral issue. Mm. And he was not a believer, to my knowledge. He never, never saw any evidence of it. And he changed his vote, and the final vote was 11 to 1 in my favor. In your favor. Excellent. And that 2,000-page report is what was released. And the serial murderer, Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy yes. who murdered more than 100 women, the last one was a 12-year-old girl, that he killed and threw into a pigsty. He got a copy of that 2,000-page report, and he read it, and he saw himself in it. Mm. And he realized that he had gotten addicted to pornography and how it had happened, and he wanted the world to know it. So his lawyer called me, and said, it is uh, evident now that Ted Bundy is going to be executed. It'll take a while for this to play out. But when it happens, be ready. We're going to call you and ask you to come down and have the last interview with him because he won't talk to anybody but you. (laughs) And it's because of that 2,000-page report. So the day before it was scheduled, for his execution. Uh, I was there. I went through seven uh, locked doors to get to him. He was on Maximum death row. security, yeah. And uh, we had to take off our shoes because the uh, sensors were so sensitive to the nails in your shoe right, your that hands. it was the most surreal thing that I have ever experienced. Mm-hmm. We we got into the area where they had Ted Bundy. They took him in a little room and strip searched him and then brought him out to sit and talk to me. Uh, it was all videotaped. And there were guards all the way around us, but you couldn't see them. They, he was totally surrounded by by prison guards. And we began talking, and we talked for 45 minutes. The night before that, uh, they brought him in on the other side of the glass, and I had a chance to talk to him. 
and he had been confessing all day long because he felt like he needed to tell the parents of the women that he killed. All those parents. Where they were buried and what he did to them. And he was so exhausted that he had his head leaning on the glass. And I put my hand up against the glass on one side, and he put his hand on the other side, and I prayed for him. Uh, Not that I sympathized or empathized with him in the sense of wanting him to be released or not wanting him to die. If there ever was a man who deserved to die, Ted Bundy was it. He showed no mercy to dozens and dozens of women that were killed in the most gruesome way. I had no sympathy for him in that, but this was a human being. And his lawyer said that he had confessed before the Lord. I don't know whether he did or not. Only God knows. But he, uh, we finished, and then the next morning he was executed at 7 o'clock. I was not there because I didn't want that on my memory. I didn't want to have to remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a sheriff there who was a loud, braggadocious, kind of southern sheriff, yeah. sort of. The, right out of central casting. Right yeah. out of that. And uh, he demanded to be there, and he was there. And he said after that he was sitting in the gallery watching this. And at the last minute before Ted was electrocuted, he looked at him and his eyes locked on him. Hmm. And he said, I felt that thing (laughs) try to get in me. And he said, I did everything I could to stop it Hmm. because something tried to invade my mind. I think Ted was demon-possessed. Mm-hmm. How that works with prayer, I don't know. It's beyond me. Yeah. What a but fascinating interview. That all occurred because of that 2,000-page report. That's an, an amazing story, Dr. Dobson, about how that report moved Ted Bundy to help him see the dangers of pornography and how it had influenced his life. And, and I know that there are people who are hearing that story who are having that same moment where they're recognized. Roger, I came out of that prison carrying the videotape. And uh, we worked out the details of, of being able to use it in a parking lot under a light standard. Sure, flickering at, light. At 1030 at night uh, with my lawyer and Ted's lawyer. And then they took us across the street, and there were 300 members of the press there. And they were not sympathetic with the commission or me at all. Uh, But there were strobe lights set up, the most surreal thing I've ever experienced. And all these microphones, you've seen it when the president speaks, and, and there were all these microphones. And I told them what had happened and how Ted uh, told a story that when he was 13 years of age, he had been in a dump, fooling around in a city dump, and he found um, detective stories. They used to have a lot of detective stories with scantily clad women who mm-hmm. were tied yes. up and uh, they had blindfolds on and things. 
that appeal to him. Uh, it does to some people. It's it's related to sadism, mm-hmm. and he got hooked on it. And the thing you got to remember about pornography is that it is always addictive and progressive. It gets a hold of you. Mm-hmm. I think it is satanic, mm-hmm. and then it takes you into harder and harder material, so that. What excites you at one point, if you get hooked on it, will not satisfy tomorrow. So you have to go deeper. You have to go deeper. You know, the song that said, in olden days, a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking, but heaven knows anything anything goes. goes. That's the way it is. There's a point at which just seeing a woman's ankle is stimulating, but it won't be for very long. Mm -hmm. And it goes farther and farther. Well... What happens so often is that a person who is on this pattern, in this addictive life, uh, will move farther and farther until you get to the point that there's nothing a man and woman can do together anymore that really gives you the same thrill. Mm -hmm. And there's a little fire trail there. Well, for a certain number of people, they jump the fire trail and they go from uh, pictures and vicarious experience to the real thing. That's what happened to Ted. Ted Bundy, yeah. And he began killing women. And I asked him, uh, Ted, how'd you feel the next morning after doing something like this? And he says, I couldn't believe I was capable of even doing it. But I, I was so caught in it. And I said, did you ever kill anybody when you were not under the influence of alcohol? And he said, not once. Hmm. So it lowers your resistance. And then he would go do what even horrified him. Interesting. I mean, it's amazing to see the the progression. And you talked about it being progressive and addictive, but it's progressively regressive, though, too. I mean, it destroys. It It, takes you away from decency and morality. Now, let me tell you, Roger, gambling is like that. Yeah, and you sat on the gambling commission too? I did sit on the gambling commission, and it is also addictive and progressive. And it destroys marriage. So does, so does pornography. Because mm-hmm. with pornography, you've got, you've got one um, member of the family that's not addicted to it, and the other one is. Right. And the one who is is asking the one who isn't to perform things that— the first one is not comfortable doing, and it is just destroys the sexual relationship because there is nothing in reality that can compete with what is available on uh, video. Now, can you believe the new videos are wraparound 360 degrees, and they are virtual? I mean to tell you, you are there. And it is a curse that is going to take its toll on the people of the world, but especially Western nations. And you saw this happening years ago. I saw it. I knew it. And it's same thing for gambling. Gambling, too. Yeah. But a little less intense. It's encouraging to know, Dr. Dobson, that you've played such a valuable role in fighting the cultural decay. At the same time, it's 
frustrating, challenging. I'm sure it is for you. I mean, I can see it in your face right now how frustrating it is to know that we've had this cultural slide. Uh, it is frustrating to me that uh, while we were very excited at the time about making a difference, and we did, that 2,000-word report resulted in 26 changes in the law uh, that would never have been made otherwise. With regard to pornography. With regard to pornography. And uh, we made some uh, difference on on gambling. But just as soon as Bill Clinton came in, uh, he changed the attorney general, of course, and that attorney general withdrew the curbs against uh, hardcore and violent pornography. And it now it's worse than it's ever been. And gambling is also now not even considered to be anything to worry about. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, it didn't matter whether you were a churchgoer or a Christian or what. Everybody knew gambling was dangerous. Now nobody knows it's dangerous. Right. Dr. James Dobson, has, we, we've likened you to Forrest Gump and the different experiences <laughs> that you've had. You also, too, I mean, I'm going to mention some dates here, and you'll, you'll resonate with them right away. August 15, 1990. Had a heart attack. June yes. 16, 1998. I had a stroke caused by the heart attack. January the 9th, 2009. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, this is a story well, <laughs> a lot of people don't know. Most people know about the heart attack and the stroke, but this one here, you really are a cat of nine lives. Uh, God is taking care of me. I'm very, very grateful. I have no reason to be here in the sense that the probabilities were not good yeah. that I would survive, but I have, and I'm healthy. That's an amazing yes, thing. You're very I just healthy. had a two-hour physical last week, and the doctor came in and sat down. He had about 10 pages of test results, uh, you know, the electrolytes and all that. He reached out his hand, took my hand, and said, you are in very good shape. This is a guy who's had a heart attack, a stroke, <laughs> and prostate cancer. Yes, yes. And a couple of planes caught on fire. <laughs> <laughs> the, the plane experience is incredible. Uh, I was buzzing down on the way down there to very Birmingham, nice. Alabama, uh, to see a, a guru uh, about my shoulder. Hmm. Uh, he is uh, Dr. Jimmy Andrews, who... Is is well known in the NBA and NFL, and he agreed to see me. And I was going to have surgery on my arm, uh, and and a friend sent a private plane for me to go down there to Very Birmingham, nice. Alabama. I went to sleep. I was the only person on the plane. It was a little jet, and I was the only one. And I woke up. I was awakened by the smell of smoke. Oh no. And I looked around, and there's smoke everywhere. Oh, no. And uh, the the front of the plane had been on fire. And the two pilots were not Christians, and they waited for me to wake up. And then they called me, and they said, would you come forward? And I came forward, and they, they said, we hear you, that you're a praying man. And I said, well, I am. And they said, then pray. They said, we've had a fire it has burned all of our electronics. We have no ability to contact uh, the control tower. We don't know where we are. We don't know how fast we're going. We don't know how high we are. And we're afraid we're going to hit another plane because we're going sure. 500 miles an hour. And a plane coming from the other side, that's a 1,000 miles an hour. You're closing on one another. And they said, we're going to drop down 
and we're going to look for a place to land. And I looked out the window, and there's nothing but uh, dirt roads with uh, snow on them. And uh, I came back, and I tried to call Shirley. I couldn't reach her. So we're buzzing along. And I don't know if these are the last moments of my life right, or right. not. I'm, I'm hearing Payne Stewart type of you know moments here. We had the oxygen, but we just didn't have any electronics. Mm. And uh, finally, they came to the Mississippi River. And the, the pilots recognized it and knew that Memphis is on the Mississippi River. So they turned, and we flew along the Mississippi until we came to Memphis. Then they gained altitude— they dropped the wheels, which says we're going to land. They passed the airport, circled around, and came back and landed. And we had 20 minutes fuel left. Wow. <laughs> so which and, life was that? Was that the fifth yeah, one? I don't know which one? life. I'll take it. Uh, the, the interesting thing is that the SWAT team thought we were terrorists because oh, no. we wouldn't talk to uh, them. Sure. Because and when no we opened coming. the door, they were all over us. Uh-huh. You get out of the plane, uh-huh. and, you know, made demands on us, and we explained what had happened. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of that, except that this man who sent me that plane, Bill Johnson, sent another one. And I flew on, and I met with Dr. Andrews, and he said, don't touch your shoulder. You're going to be okay. Oh. <laughs> so I avoided surgery, too. <laughs> well, that's very good. So uh, so from being part of a SWAT rescue to also being part of the Secret Service, too, you've really had an adventurous life. And my life has been full, more than I can tell you. But more than that, my life has been full of love. I've had a loving family. I've had a lot of love from people that I don't even know. I've been hugged by people on the street and in conferences and people that uh, know a lot about me because they, uh, many of them made breakfast with me every morning. Right. Or got dressed with me every morning. (laughs) And uh, I've had more good things. God has poured it all out on me. I've had an opportunity to get a good education. I've had all kinds of, of uh, opportunities to do creative things. I've had travel. I've, uh, I've had some real bumps in the road physically, but I appear to be totally healthy today. I've got a wonderful wife that I love like crazy. And she seems to love me. That's the biggest <laughs> miracle. Two children and two grandchildren, and there's love everywhere. So, uh, uh, you know, I worry a little bit about uh, getting to heaven and the Lord saying, Son, you've had your share. <laughs> you know, because I have. I've had more than my share. Well, Dr. Dobson, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for the invitation to come here and turn the tables on you, so to speak. You've been a great guest. You're an excellent host, but you're an excellent guest, too. Thank you for what you've shared with our uh, Family Talk listeners today here on the program. Thank you, Roger. I really enjoyed working with you. You've been listening to the first part of a fascinating interview I conducted with Dr. James Dobson here in the Family Talk studios, a series of messages we've titled, Dr. Dobson, The Untold Stories. Now, if this ministry, or Dr. Dobson himself, has had a positive impact on you or your family, we would love to hear about that. Uh, Contact us through our listener feedback line. It's a toll-free number, 844-823-823. 
888-528-2669. All comments and suggestions and testimonies are definitely welcome. Again, the toll-free number to call for Family Talk's listener feedback line is 844-823-2669. Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk is also very active on social media. We'd love for you to get involved with us there. Look us up on Facebook by going to facebook.com and searching for Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. You can join the conversations going on there about our broadcasts, or you can read any of our encouraging articles that we post there as well. Again, like us on Facebook when you go to facebook.com and search for Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. You can also give us a follow on Twitter. Search for Dr. James Dobson FT, as in Family Talk. Once you follow our profile, you'll have access to all of our interactive content, which you can then retweet to your followers. Again, go to twitter.com and follow us. Our handle is Dr. James Dobson FT. I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to join us again tomorrow to hear the conclusion of my conversation with Dr. James Dobson, talking about the untold stories right here on Family Talk. Family Talk is not associated with Focus on the Family. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tim Clinton here for Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. You know, the news comes in all kinds of shapes, sizes, and formats these days. But how do you cut through the noise and get to the heart of the matters that affect your family? Come to Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk and sign up for Dr. Dobson's monthly newsletter. You'll find clarity on tough issues, encouragement for your everyday life, and trusted principles to help you build strong, healthy, connected families. Go to drjamesdobson.org, sign up today. That's drjamesdobson.org.